Thanks, Helen. It's, uh, some of you thought maybe it was uh, early Halloween that she was in her stormtrooper costume, you know, part of it. We're going to find her a, a helmet, and then she's set and ready for a Halloween. Well, as we've been singing, and as um, Helen talked about, you know, that, that unstoppable grace, and we're in a series where we're looking at the anchor of grace in our lives as, as followers of Jesus, a transforming grace. Um, for us, uh, uh, thought about just ways the, the river flowing is a picture of God's grace, or even better, um, uh, but uh, like this hurricane, Hurricane uh, Patricia that's coming through. Uh, whereas hurricanes naturally are destructive, but the hurricane of grace is constructive, and it's something that that can't be stopped. You know, it, it flows from God to us, to anyone who will receive it. That, that notion of grace, that there is absolutely nothing we can do to make God love us any more or any less. It's that unstoppable storm of grace that results in our forgiveness. That, that we are washed clean by Jesus Christ. And as Dennis shared with us last week, you know, that that in Christ there is now, this day and every day, no condemnation. So as as Jesus has forgiven us, um, then we can forgive ourselves also. I mean, it's, it's unstoppable. It flows from God to us and then us to us. And then as we'll look today, this grace, this this unmerited favor, this giving to one another what you don't deserve now flows to one another. For followers of Jesus, this this forgiveness, this grace, now becomes ours to give to one another when we wrong one another, when we hurt each other. This grace can't be stopped even by our sin towards one another. Uh, a passage that, that highlights this is in um, Matthew chapter 18. It's found on page 800 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along um, on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, we give you thanks for your written word. We give you thanks for your grace that, that flows through us, that can't be stopped. This storm of grace. And we ask now you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts uh, to to hear, to see, to receive from you. And so uh, lead uh, our our feet and hands to do your bidding. Speak to us in this time that we might truly be people of your grace. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, I do want, want to be sure um, that everybody has a, a handout. We don't have to get it out now, but you should have gotten it in your bulletin. It's got a couple trees and hearts on it. If you don't have one, be sure to just raise your hand. There's John's in the back. Uh, he'll be sure to give you one, but just be sure that uh, David's in the back there. It seems like we've, we've got them. That's, that's good. All right, so uh, Matthew 18, starting with verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? 
As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you 77 times. Now, Peter's asking, Does grace stop? Does God's forgiveness stop at some point? Is there some point that I get out of this storm of grace? That I, I'm relieved of God's grace to share with another? And what is Jesus isn't saying it's 77 times. He's saying, no, Peter, there is no end to God's grace. It is infinite. It is infinite to you. And it is infinite through you to others. If we're accessing God's grace towards others. All right, Jesus continues. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle account with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, 10,000 talents is like years and years of, of salary for an individual in this kind of position. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of the slave released him and forgave him the debt. Scandalous grace. Pure grace, unbounded grace. You're free. You owe me no more. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. That's like a, a day or two wages compared to the years and years earlier forgiven. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him. Basically saying the same thing that the slave had said to the Lord just a few verses earlier. Have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. I never got that. Debtor's prison. Doesn't make sense to me. I mean, is being in debtor's prison a lucrative position? Because how else are you going to pay? I don't know how it works, but that's... What it was in those days. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A couple things from this passage. One... God has forgiven me more than any one of you and probably all of you will ever have to forgive me. God has forgiven me 
more than all of y'all together will have to forgive me. And that's not because I'm so good. I mean, my wife and children and my sister even today is in the congregation. So there's a whole lot of forgiveness that has to go on. The same could be said for every one of you. God has forgiven you, each of you individually, more than all the people here and all the people in your family will ever have to forgive you. That's why the the amount is so much between the Lord and the slave and so little between slave to slave. And it makes sense, right? I mean, God did everything everything right there there's not a smidgen of guilt for what god has done in his beautiful creation in his work in our midst and yet we get caught in the traps of denying him ignoring him betraying him disobeying him abusing even him by abusing his creation Mistreating God by mistreating one another. And yet, at the cross, the scandalous grace took all of our sin and destroyed it, obliterated it. As Jesus died on the cross, He carried our sin with Him and took care of it all. That is scandalous grace that the one who is purely good and innocent died on the cross for those who are guilty. So that those who are guilty would be seen as those who are purely innocent. We are, through the death and resurrection of Christ, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That's scandalous grace. And that's how God has forgiven you and me infinitely more than we'll ever be called on to forgive one another as two sinners towards one another. And note then at the end of the passage, the other note from this passage is that we're called to forgive one another from the heart. That's that's his call. It's not just to go through the motions. It's to forgive one another from the heart. And I would add the other side. We're called to confess to one another from the heart. And we're called to forgive one another from the heart. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts. No, No whys or whens or wheres. This is the grace, the unstoppable grace of God that flows through us. I believe that God is real. I believe that the cross is real. That on the cross, Jesus really died in time, in space, in a particular time. And He then carried all of our sin to death where it was destroyed and obliterated. And when He died, all of our sin was future. But but God's grace is unstoppable in that it transcends space and time. And so I believe, if this is true, if God is real and the cross is real, then Christianity is not just a nice religion to help make us nice Americans. It is a supernatural power that brings life out of death, 
that fights hate with love. And it overwhelms selfishness with generosity. The supernatural power of the cross now is alive within us. Now, this forgiveness is not easy. It is not something, okay, this is true, let's pray and we're done. And we're going to be singing kumbaya uh, with those who have wronged us. This is hard work. This is what old-fashioned word we call sanctification. Maturing in Christ, growing in Christ. This is not, it is the work of God within us, His Spirit within us, that unstoppable grace that flows within us, that even changes our heart. But that change doesn't happen instantaneously, and it doesn't happen without effort on your part and my part. Now, it's not an effort to earn grace. It's not an effort to earn salvation. It is an effort because we have been saved. It is an effort because grace has been given to us. But it takes work because this is not easy. I mean, if God's grace is like a storm, if it's like a hurricane, then, and it, but it's a constructive storm, we've got to stay in the storm. We've got to stay in the storm because our temptation is to, to flee the storm. Now, if you live in Mexico, flee Patricia. But if it's God's grace that's coming, that brings cleansing, then we've got to stay and confess and forgive. We can't flee, can't fight. Our natural tendencies, you know, are to deny it, to, to make up stories about one another, to somehow assuage our own guilt, or somehow to make carry our pain and give it to another, to seek revenge. Somehow we, 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 we fly from it. This is supernatural power of God. It's not our capacity. So practically, what, what, does that, what does that look like? Let's unpack that a little more. Now take out your sheet that uh, I gave you. And, and this is, is taken and adapted just a little bit um, from John and Laura Schindeldecker's work. And so you may have seen that with them. And I, I talked to them and got their permission to use it, I promise. They were in first service um, even. If you take out that, that, that sheet, um, this helps us to unpack and explore. Um, I want you to have the one before you that says, How do you act? What do you believe when you are offended? So that should be at the top, middle. It's when you are offended. So let's think about this of when you are offended. And you can even put in your own mind a, a situation of when recently you've been offended. Or maybe one where you've been offended and it's really hard to let it go. Think about that situation as we as we walk through this. All right, now, but the first thing, what I, what I want you to do is write in that space between the trees and the hearts, that space in the middle, I want you to, to write um, help, honest, humble, and honor. Because these are sort of four basic principles that apply in any of these kind of situations of offense, of conflict. The, the basic principle, we help, honest, humble, and honor. And the first is help. That means that 
this is not your capacity to do this. You do not have, I do not have the the grace to do this in our own makeup. God is the storehouse of grace. And, And we have to plug into God so His grace flows through us. I mean, we've got to ask. The first thing that we do when we find ourselves in a time of conflict, in a time of need, you don't like forgiveness? It is hard. It is hard. We've got to ask God to help us. It's not you being able to bring up grace somewhere from in yourself. It is God's mercy flowing through you. So first and foremost, and actually you could put help, honest, help, humble, help, honor, help. You can put it every step of the way that we are trusting in God. Honest. Honest means in this, in this journey we've got to be honest. You can be honest with ourselves, honest with one another, honest about what happened, honest with how I'm feeling, honest with how the other person is feeling. We have to be honest with ourselves and with the other. And we have to be honest in our language. You know, we're not going to use words that are look euphemism. You know, we're not going to say, well, yeah, maybe I shaded the truth a little bit or told a little fib. No, I lied. You know, not going to say, well, no, I, you know, I was just sharing prayer requests for us all to know what was going on. No, you're gossiping. You know, so we're going to be honest. So we, we need God's help. We're going to be, we'll be committed to being honest, to growing into being honest. And, and then we'll, we'll be humble. This may be the second most important thing that we ever talk about. The first is God loves you. you know, that, that grace abounds. You know, and and it, is, it is infinite beyond our wildest imagination. But the second thing is that, that I'm a sinner and so are you. And so stop trying to act like you're not. You know, that we have those tendencies of fight or flight when we get into these kind of situations. We want to either avoid it or destroy. No, it just takes humility to stay and confess and forgive. It's only by God's work through us, through those that are surrendered to the grace of God in humility, that this will flow through us. Even if you're totally innocent. That's rare, but that happens. You are the one who has offended, and you're really innocent. For example, if you were following yesterday, you know, the the woman that lost control in in Oklahoma, the Oklahoma State homecoming parade, and she blew through a crowd of people, killed four, and injured like over 40. Yeah, I mean, the people that were sitting at the parade, they were totally innocent. And, And that could be the case. With you, even then, in those situations, we need help to be humble. Because in those situations, we're closer to being like Jesus than any other one. Because there was not an ounce of guilt for him hanging on the cross. It was totally innocent. So it takes humility that only comes from Jesus. 
truly walk through times when we're offended. Because, I mean, I know in a lot of cases the, the offense may be, you know, secondary or minor, but in some of our cases the offense is grotesque. So it, this is not the kind of thing we're going to be able to conjure up. It comes from the help of the Lord leading us to be honest and humble like Him and leading us then to honor to honor him and to honor one another. Now that, that person that offended you. That murderer. That racist. That jerk. Who offended you. That, that unbounded grace is flowing right through him. Jesus died for him. Just as he died for you. Jesus died for him. We're charged, called, empowered to honor him. And to, to honor him or her, by doing that, we honor Jesus. And if, and if we're the, the offender, we honor ourselves. Because Jesus died for us. We're not less than a human being. So we honor ourselves by saying, yes, okay, I can stay. I can be honest and humble because of Jesus. I mean, that's scandalous grace. That's the storm of grace that is unstoppable. That's what's accomplished at the cross, and that is the core of who we are. I I told you, that's not easy. Now, I know, especially in this honor piece, and if you're in one situation where you know, somebody has really wronged you, and you're like, I do, but if I honor them, that means they get away with it. Or, or does that mean it, that they get away with it? I just sort of let them go. Don't, don't even mention it. Just sort of act like it didn't happen. Well, you, you tell me. Does it honor Jesus? Does it honor a brother and sister in Christ, if they are allowed to continue in sin? Does it honor Jesus? Does it honor a brother and sister in Christ if they go on thinking that they're fine when really they have harmed you? They have sinned against you. Does that honor Jesus? Does that honor the other person? No, it doesn't. It is not an act of love. It is not an act of grace to let another live in sin unknowingly without it being corrected and without attempts being made to say that needs to stop. It is not gracious to just let it go. It is actually harmful to let it go. It is honoring to Jesus and to one another when we do speak to one another of the offenses against us and the sin that has occurred against us. Now, we do so in in honesty, in humility, in honor to Jesus and our fellow human being. But it is, no one is honored if sin is not corrected and stopped. All right, so now to to the trees and to the hearts. Um, the, the tree and heart on your left side. Is where we want to start there. 
And, and the, the tree and heart is a, um, a picture of a combination of a biblical metaphors. You know, the, the tree uh, from Jesus and from uh, other New Testament writings where you know a tree by its fruit. Right? And so on the top, what you see are the fruits of those actions that flow from a fleshly or sinful heart. And the heart is there. Jesus said, you know, that it, it's the things that flow out of our heart that defile us in, in Matthew 15, 18, and 19. Yeah. So it's the things in our heart that, that, that defile us. Now, what I, what I want you to do, you look, just take a minute here. Look at that left side. And so the beliefs and convictions are in the heart. And then the uh, uh, actions are, that flow from that are in the tree. Well, I want you to look and see um, where are uh, some beliefs that maybe would lead directly to that uh, particular action. Um, for example, there, you know, you, you look at, I swear I will never forgive. You know, that's a conviction. That's an, uh, a statement of the heart. Well, that would probably lead you to not forgiving, saying, I won't forgive. What are some other ways that maybe I can't forgive? What does that lead to? And that's a, your, your belief that I'm unable to believe. Or, you know, I have a right to be offended, irritated, and angry. What does that lead to? Or that Jesus does not understand my pain. What do those lead to? And to the fruit. You know, I cut off the relationship or I distance myself. I don't talk about the issue. Just see how those connect in your own mind. Maybe even start to think about how you, when you thought about that way that you've been offended and addressing it, how maybe you've responded in certain ways. And maybe how that relates to convictions or beliefs in your own heart that are, of, that are not of God. I, then we'll move then from, from heart on the left to heart on, on the right. Um, the... Uh, because um, what we, we want, we want a heart to be transformed. We, we want our, our heart to be made more and more in the likeness of Jesus. You know, back to that sanctification thing, to that Christian maturity that we're growing in Him. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, if you thought that, that being a Christian meant you just get your ticket stamped to go to heaven, that's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity means we are a part of this storm of grace, and it changes us. It changes our heart, even in the most challenging times. And the way that that, that gets changed is that we focus our attention on God's Word. That that's where words of life are. That's where words that that lead us forward. Uh, So like a a heart that flows from Proverbs 19.11, which says that we're slow to anger. Or 3.13, it says we bear sins of one another. There there are times that we, we overlook Sin. There are times that we say we overlook it. There are times that we say, I, I cover this with love. 1 Peter 4 8. Love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Corinthians 10 13 that says, There's nothing given to me that, that in the power of Christ we can't be addressed, can't be handled. I'll be given the grace and strength to forgive. 
Colossians 3.13 goes on to say that I should forgive just as God forgave me. And then even Romans 5.10 tells us that Paul tells us even while we were yet enemies of God, while we were still turned away from God, Jesus died for us, reconciling us to himself. And then Luke 23, 34, you know, Jesus suffered the same way and still forgave. Luke 23 is when Jesus was on the cross. And he cried out to the Father with nails in his hands and in his feet and thorns in his head and said, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's what we want to flow in and through our heart. And then it's from that, that the the last arrow then moves from that heart that's being transformed. That then flows into then actions that flow from that heart as we forgive from the heart or even uh, we confess from the heart. What, What I need you to hear, though, and be sure you understand is that we can't jump from tree to tree. We just don't have the capacities. It's not just a simple decision. When we are wronged and hurt, it's something that we, that's why we cry for help, that God has to do within us. Now, what, what I challenge you to do this week now is take this with you. Now, I'm not going to do the other side. The other side is what to do after you've offended someone. And that's all. You can read that and understand it. So, sort of go through the same, you know, four steps, right? Um, help and honest and humble and honor on that side as well because it applies there. And do the same exercise. But, but hang with this this week and go and look at those passages. Read, maybe read a couple a day or, or read around them. Get the whole sense of those passages. Find the one. Or the two, if you're really feeling like going for it, that you need to memorize. Because that's one of the ways that we hide God's Word in our heart. You know, that, we, that we memorize, that we just put it in, that it, it takes over for us. Find that this, this week. Keep, keep this with you. Make this part of your time of devotion to live with this. And walk through the second side as well. Then, then next week, during the small group time uh, at 10, 10, 10 uh, this will be the part of the subject of our discussion. Just, what did you learn? What hit you? What did you hear from God? What, what other questions do you have? Because this is tough stuff. I know that there, there are folks in here that you're fighting with this. Because people have wronged you. You're fighting. I just want to tell you, there is no other storm of grace than forgiveness. If you're holding on to that bitterness, if you're holding on to that anger, somehow it gives you a sense of control, somehow it gives you a sense of, somehow, somehow you think in your mind that you're holding on to that bitterness, that you're hurting the other person. You're not. You're only killing yourself. So this is the kind of stuff, this is, our life is, is given to this as Christ and the power of the Spirit changes our hearts. But I want you to know, 
I want you to know this is the power of God that He takes these times when we're offended or even fending another. Things that are bad, things that are wrong, things that are evil. And in only the way that the one who raises Jesus from the dead to new life can do makes it good. He turns it into some, what is bad. He turns it into something that is good. In Romans 8, 28 and 29, Paul tells us that God can use everything for good to those that are called in his, to His purposes. God bless you. And then, the next verse, he says, this is what good means. Good means that God is using that to transform you into the likeness of His Son. He can take even the worst of situations and make them turn into that which is good. That's scandalous grace. That's the the hurricane storm of grace. That, that flows through us, that, that transforms our hearts so that now we can be conduits of unstoppable grace. Amen.